And I was just like, Florida Rick. Okay. I Florida Rick is so much. <laughs> I might have to bleep that part. <laughs> Supernatural sweeties, and welcome back to Summer Twilight Book Club, the podcast where your favorite chaotic duo, the two loves of your life, endure the ultimate test of psychological endurance and stumble their way through the most iconic love story of our time, relying only on one another and tastefully crafted jokes about edging to make it through. I'm Kat. And I'm Sahana. Now, if you're just stepping into the podcast, honestly, I commend you. I think it's hilarious that you started with the last four chapters of the book, and you're now my uh, new second best, wait, second new best friend, because you're my first babe. I love you. Anyways, but I assume that all of you, whether you're new or not, could use a little refresher. So let me remind you of where we're at and how we got here. So Twilight is a book about a girl named Bella who moved to Forks, Washington to live with her dad, Charlie. She is clumsy as fuck and not even hot, uh, but every guy in town is jizzing their pants for her. Except, of course, Edward, who, as we know, is an expert at edging and will jizz his pants for no one, not even for himself. (laughs) Edward, we soon learn, is a vampire, and he thinks that Bella smells amazing and probably tastes as good as McDonald's hash browns, uh, which, as we all know, no one can turn down in good faith. Even there, if is, don't- there is no human alive that could turn down a uh, McDonald's hash brown. Uh, and I if have they proof. can, they're probably a vampire. No, see, I have proof because uh, it was my friend's birthday and my friend is like, all like, I'm buff and I only eat really good things now. I won't eat rice. But then Great, I offered- so they hate themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I offered him McDonald's hash brown though and he was like, uh, yes, please. And then I brought Alana and Alana's like, I don't eat fast food, you know? And uh, I was like, but what about a McDonald's hash brown? And she was like, fuck, yes. Uh, so anyways. I honestly, if there's like, I consider myself a fairly good secret keeper. Like, I I, I am the pettiest bitch alive and I'm still like very good at holding on to things uh, when it's necessary. But if you bribed me with a McDonald's hash brown, there is almost no secret that I would give up. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so she's that irresistible to Edward. Um, so naturally, uh, Bella is really into the fact that he wants to eat her and starts dating him. Uh, but y'all, it's okay. Because Edward and his family are vegans, and they don't eat humans. They just tear apart animals with their bare hands. Like, it's fine. And like any good vegans, they remind you as often as possible that they're vegans and that they don't eat humans. And they feel morally superior to all of us because of it, like any good vegan would. Yeah, so it's fine. Um, but things can't be kumbaya, my lord, forever. And, uh, <laughs> and another group of sorry. <laughs> I was <laughs> I was really happy with that too. So I'm glad you're laughing. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of you. And another group of vampires uh, show up to play baseball. And if you don't know what we're talking about, I'm not explaining it to you. That's There's, what happened. Just go back and listen to the baseball episode. We can't have this conversation again. Uh, so, oh. uh, unfortunately, though, these vampires never get to play baseball because the one not hot vampire in existence has some sort of complex and he's just trying to compensate <laughs> for it. And so he just can't let a challenge go. And Edward happens to challenge him when James, like, maybe thinks about eating Bella. Like, oops. So Bella, in a very convoluted thing, like, goes back to her hometown to try to escape it. 
uh, the vampire that is, and like a bunch of convoluted stuff happens. And then, of course, James, who again is the name of this vampire, uh, finds her in Phoenix. So, if this doesn't make sense to you, it's okay because it's nonsensical. Like, Katie really gave you the best available description for what has happened up until this point in the book. Uh, and it's not that her summarization skills are bad, it's just that. This book makes no fucking sense. So if you're confused, you're right where we are. Yeah. Um, so he finds her, or rather, he claims to have her mom, and he calls her, and he says he's gonna do her a murder unless Bella shows up at an <laughs> undisclosed location. <laughs> and Bella has to show up alone. But Bella's supposed to go to the airport with her vampire babysitters, Jasper and Alice, <laughs> Uh, to meet the other vampires who are coming down to Phoenix to stop this vampire. It's it's a lot. And so she quickly has to hatch a plan to escape from them at the airport so she can save her mom and also die. And that brings <laughs> us to chapter 22. Alright. So, buckle up, team. Because chapter 22 is filled with a true roller coaster of exposition. Like, if you thought that the pacing of this book didn't make sense up until this point, you have no fucking idea what's coming. So, Here we go. Chapter 22 opens with Bella returning to the main part of the hotel room after sneaking off to the back part of the hotel room to write the world's most emotionless goodbye note to Edward. Um, And so she comes back into the hotel room and she finds Alice in the middle of a future vision. Future Um, Jasper... So Jasper comes into the room at the same time, and there's no direct communication between any of these three people about what Alice is seeing, but Bella sort of clues us in that Alice is probably seeing that they're going to fail in their plan to keep Bella safe, and that Bella's probably going to die, and she's not saying anything to Bella about it because she doesn't want to freak her out, which is a lot of um, insinuations for Bella to make, considering that Bella's the least perceptive person on Earth. (laughs) So, um, just as Bella is guessing this, um, Jasper uses the world's most coercive superpower to keep Bella's emotions under control, so she, like, calms down and keeps it together. Um, so they decide that they're gonna make their way to the airport, um, Bella empties her sock full of money, which I can only assume is filled with, like, seven dollars and change and maybe some buttons, uh, she dumps that into her pocket. Like, where- (laughs) I still don't know where she gets this money from. Right. So that's my first question, right? It's like, where did the money come from? Because I, Bella doesn't have a job. We've already talked um, about this. You know, we already had this exact discussion. We'll go but on. I don't have answers. They go to the airport. So she, they head to the airport to pick up the boys. Um, and on the way there, Bella asks Alice to explain her future sight powers for what I think must be like the fourth fucking time in this novel. Oh um, we get no new information other than that Bella Swan, shocking to precisely no one, has a brain like a colander, apparently. <laughs> um, so they get to the airport in what must, and then they spend like 90 minutes waiting for the plane to land yeah like they just uh, got there really early because they're like antsy as fuck like and and so here's where i have to ask a question that i truly thought i would never have to bring to this podcast which is does stephanie meyer not know how airports work yeah i definitely had a lot of questions about the logistics of this part because at first i thought like, they were in like baggage claim because they were looking at like see Yes. Okay. That's what I thought too, and I was so confused by that because I talk with a terminal that, I, that they go to. 
Right, right. So they're in the terminal, right? And I was so confused by that that I literally double checked what year this book was published to see if it was before or after 9-11. Because... Wait, but I think they mean... Because, okay, so it's not what gate they're going to, though. It's what terminal. So I think maybe she's describing this right. But Bella says that she's waiting where the passengers unloaded, which is either, like, uh, Stephanie Meyer not understanding how airports work or... Um, or Bella not understood, but Bella's flown a lot, we're led to presume. Right, because she literally, like, like, less than, I will remind us all that the entire course of this novel happens in the span of, I don't know, like, four months. So Bella moved to Forks, like, pretty recently and was on a plane. Um, but it makes it sound like they're waiting. like, unloads from the airport. (laughs) (laughs) Like, where they unload from the previous part of the airport. Not the plane. (laughs) The airport. But, like, so... Regardless, either way, like I don't know, the way that she phrases it makes it sound like they're waiting at the gate, which is something that you absolutely cannot do since nine eleven. Which brings me to the which brings me to the central question: Is Stephanie Meyer a nine eleven truther? Oh God. Why is this the Why is this the way we're going with this? <laughs> I is the one podcast is turning. Honestly, it's the one conspiracy theory that we haven't gotten to yet, so it was about time. Oh, oh, I forgot to mention that, okay, so in the time between when we last recorded and now, which has been a fucking while. It's, a, it's been um, a while, it's team. Been quite a bit. Um, I literally, the other day, I was like, have. have we recorded in 2019 yet? Is this our first episode of 2019? I'm, it, I think it is. <laughs> Because last time we recorded, I had, like, beforehand been... It was before you were here, I think. Yeah, well, because you... The last time we recorded, you immediately went to go shopping with Jared and Cecilio. Which I think was, like, before your birthday. I don't... Was it? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, you were saying, the last time we recorded this podcast... Okay, We're in so, between the last time. If it was before my birthday, then that's the relevant part, because um, <laughs> I was looking up Stephanie Meyer because of this part, actually. So, I was looking up to see where she was from, because I wanted to know if she was from Phoenix or not. Because uh-huh. I wanted to know if she was just, like, making shit up without research, or if she... Which like, we all know Stephanie Meyer is prone to do. Yeah, or if she, like, lived it. And when I looked it up, I saw, like, Stephanie Meyer, born on December 24th. Yes, I bitch! Like, I was like, bitch, that's my birthday. Like, what? Uh, and I was super excited about it. Katie and Stephanie Meyer share a birthday, everyone. I, I like I how you believe- looked to your side when you, when you said that, as if you're announcing it to your apartment. <laughs> <laughs> the office is currently paused on my TV screen, so I looked directly at Michael Scott's face to tell him. Guess what, Michael Scott? Uh, Cat <laughs> and Stephanie Meyer, fucking twins. Oh, that's incredible! I can't believe that we didn't know that. I think at some point in my life, I probably did, like when I was like thirteen or fourteen or whatever. But I definitely did not know that as an adult. That went through my calendar like brain. Anyways, <laughs> now that I actively uh, tricked you into not talking about Stephanie Meyer as a nine eleven truther, what happened? <laughs> Honestly, I think everyone listening to this podcast is grateful to you for that. Um, So they're in the terminal um, and Bella moves to orchestrate her escape. And I have to say that this is actually pretty impressive. So she figures out, I, she figures out how to get away from them because she remembers 
that there's a bathroom in this terminal that has two exits and she manages to strategically walk there with Jasper because he she knows that he can't follow her into the bathroom. Um, and this level of like orchestration is surprising for someone who has given me no confidence at any other point in this book that she could pull something this complicated Yeah, off. because Alice goes to go with her and then she's like, no, um, I don't remember what reason she gives. She says she wants to take Jasper instead because oh, he helps keep her calm. Yeah, she's like, no, I need my anti-anxiety medication with me, which is like a totally... <laughs> I would love to take my Xanax with me to the bathroom. <laughs> which is like a totally legit, like, that's like a believable reason, you know? Like, yeah. One she... of you has to stay. I'm really anxious. Can Jasper go with me? Like, that That makes sense. So I was like proud uh, of her for that. Same. Um, so she runs out of the bathroom, she runs out the exit that she knows that Jasper won't be watching, and then she runs back outside to try to catch a cap. Now, Bella Swan runs into a problem here, dear reader. That was my favorite Which is part. that she does not see an available taxi. However shall our brilliant heroine make it out of this pickle, you may be asking yourself. Fear not, dear readers, for our savior is upon <laughs> us in the form of a fucking shuttle to the Hyatt. <laughs> I love this part so much because like, it's mentioned that it is a shuttle specifically to the Hyatt. To the Hyatt! Like, seven More than times. once. <laughs> like, okay, honestly, in a chapter it's full of absolutely times. bananas exposition, this is what does it for me. Like, I, I am obsessed with the idea of some, like, underpaid shuttle driver who truly could not give less of a shit going, ma'am, this is a shuttle to the Hyatt. In response to Bella's, like, fucked up dramatic antics and, like, seeing that she has no luggage and being very confused and then just being like, you know what, fuck it, I don't care, get on the shuttle to the Hyatt. And it just keeps, <laughs> it just keeps saying it. Like, literally, so, like, I want you guys to know, like, it's only like, oh, but then I noticed a shuttle to the Hyatt. And so I stepped aboard and the bus driver's like, ma'am, this is a shuttle to the Hyatt. And she's like, I know, I'm going to the Hyatt. And then Stephanie Meyer lets us confirm his exact hotel for us, like, twice more. And, like, I'm literally, and so, so I, she I literally, spends, she spends the entire ride. Oh, God. On the, on the Hyatt Express. The Hyatt Express! And she just, like, imagines Edward, like, standing at the edge of the road when he found the end of my trail. Like, what the fuck does that mean? I'm... Why? <laughs> I... Love Why would he be standing at the edge I of just, the road? I just imagine the scene in, like, black and white with, like, a French movie voiceover of Edward's despair. <laughs> And his love being gone without a trace, like, and she was gone, away, on the Hyatt shuttle. <laughs> Never to be seen again. Like, <laughs> can't do a French accent. But, you know, just like that kind of level of, like, ennui. Like, at the end. <laughs> ennui, brought to you by the Hyatt Express. Oh my god. Oh god. Uh, so... Bella is awoken from her French noir film reverie when the shuttle arrives at the Hyatt. Um, where Bella then- Where where was she going? I, I think she was going to the Hyatt. Okay. What'd she do when she gets there? So, she wastes precisely no time kicking an old couple out of their cab and annoying a cab driver by throwing a bunch of bills at him and being like, drive me to the burbs. I almost spit take. Oh, I know. I saw it. It was amazing. 
I was taking anticipation too. Was before you started talking, I remember the scene because it's so fucking funny the way it's described. It's just like I got off the bus and I jumped into a cab, and I could see that everyone was staring at me because I just told this fucking Hyatt shuttle driver that I was going to Hyatt. Now they all know that I'm a liar. I'm a Hyatt hustler. (laughs) Hyatt hustler. It has to be the name of the episode. <laughs> Note to future self, when you're re-listening to the episode and trying to decide what to name it, it's definitely Hyatt Hustler. You're welcome, everyone. So, Bella jumps in this fucking cab, um, and then she spends the entire cab ride to her mom's house daydreaming and daydreaming about edward and as i read this part i have to admit that it was like it was almost sweet like i almost had a genuine emotion about it um because it almost made me a little sad that she's like imagining this lovely future that she's giving up with edward for the sake of her mom's safety um except for the fact that this is still a really fucking stupid choice so i have no sympathy for her and that emotion immediately left me um so she like she's like sitting in this cab with her eyes closed, imagining how the day would have been different if Edward was there with her. And she says like, "Oh, to be trapped in a hotel room with him would have been a kind of heaven." I have to imagine that the hotel room is at the Hyatt. Um, and also, like, is she sure? <laughs> is she sure that this is how she wants to spend her time? Because it kind of sounds like if she were in a hotel room with Edward, he would either kill her. Or deny her sex. But then again, I don't know. Maybe that's what Bella Swan wants. I'm just... Oh my god. So, Ugh. Bella... I imagine Bella... Get, like, the scene from Mad Men when, uh... Uh... He has Lindsay Weir in the hotel room. <laughs> yeah, Linda Cardellini's just, like, hanging out in a hotel room and he just, waiting like, for John Hamm to, like, yes. He just leaves her there forever and is, like, put on this That's... dress. Like, that is what would actually happen. I guess it's just Fifty yes. Shades of Grey, isn't it? Is that what happens in Fifty... I don't know. I don't know. I assume. I've are we gonna seen... have to... Katie, would we run out of Twilight to read? Are we gonna have to turn this into a Fifty Shades of Grey podcast? No, but I do think that if we ever have a, a Patreon that our... We will... One of the things we will have like, on that, as, like, you know, like, things you can buy or whatever, will be mm-hmm. us doing a, a podcast about each movie. Oh, boy. Yeah, that would be good. Hey, if anybody uh, listening to this podcast wants to give us money to listen to us yell about every Fifty Shades of Grey movie, hit us up. Yeah, let us know um, and we'll start a Patreon. <laughs> so, Bella arrives at her mom's house. Is it kinky um, she- if one of our listeners does that now? Like, if one of our listeners uh, messages us and says, I want to pay you to yell about Fifty Shades of Grey, is that, like, a, a kink in of, of itself? Is that a new kink that we just created? <laughs> or did we invent a kink? I think we invented a kink. I'm so proud of us. I hope someone's in, I hope someone right now is like, I feel really seen. I've <laughs> always wanted to pay someone to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> In my ears. Uh, oh, man. Yes. Um, We're never getting through this so chapter. We, it's just not going to happen. Um, but but try. I, I will try. Um, I don't know what those words were. So Bella <laughs> gets to her mom's house. 
Um, and she calls James, who has left his phone number on a whiteboard in her living room like he's a frat boy leaving his number on your dorm room door because he thinks that you watching him throw up his body weight in jungle juice counts as a first date. Oh my god. So, <laughs> I didn't go to U of M, so I did not have these kinds of experiences. Yeah, well, that's, uh... <laughs> Huh. Um, so anyway, James predictably says some weird shit, uh, and then tells her to come to the ballet studio, and then she immediately leaves and heads there. I don't understand why she didn't just go there first, because she knew he was gonna be there. Um, I also don't know why she didn't tell anybody what she was doing or where she was going, but then, uh, oh. when does Bella do anything that makes sense to any of us? Well, because she kind of told us one of those things last time. She was, like, when on the phone, he's like, oh, I'm gonna have you meet me somewhere else. And she's like, I already knew where, but I'd do it his way. I mean, there's no explanation. But they could have gotten the jump on him if they had gone directly to the ballet studio. That's what I'm saying. He wouldn't have been guessing that. Like he expected her to show and then call. That if he, if she hadn't called, like he probably, he like probably didn't set up the like VCR or whatever until she called him from her mom's house. I'm gonna touch on that. So if they had gone straight there, spoilers. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, this chapter just makes me so mad. So. As Belle is walking away from her house, she talks about having, like, memories of her mom and a happier time in Arizona, and it's actually, like, a pretty sweet and evocative contrast um, as she makes her way to what she thinks is her inevitable death. That's so true, because when However, I read that part, I turned my- I was like, huh. And this guy who, uh, uh I was sitting near, uh, well, you know, uh, was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what? And I was like, every once in a while, this book is, like- has legitimately good writing. Yeah. And it's and always however, when there's no dialogue. It's, it's true. It's literally when no one is talking. Um, however, this brief respite of tolerable writing is immediately snatched away from us by a sentence about which I have some questions. So Bella <laughs> says that she feels like she's running through wet sand. And then she says, I couldn't seem to get enough purchase from the concrete. Uh, And I have several questions about this. So A, is running through wet sand really that hard? Well, is she running on wet sand or through wet sand? Ooh, good question. Because running on wet sand is easier than running on dry sand because it packs down. I think right. But I guess if you were like trying... (laughs) But it says wet sand! I know, but I think that... Does she mean quicksand? Does she mean quicksand? I don't know. Um, okay, also, what the fuck is the word purchase doing in this sentence? What do you mean? She says, I can't seem to get enough purchase from the concrete. Yeah. What does that mean? Oh, it means, like, she can't get, like, um, good leverage from it. Oh, I've literally never heard that before. So this week I get to learn a thing. Yeah, like, so enough purchase, like, enough, like, something to, like, propel her off, kind of, like, yeah. Like, momentum? No, it's like, think about walking through, trying to run on dry sand, which is what she meant, I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay, like, like, friction, like, she, yeah, okay, okay, I'm not sure, I can Um, look up the, the, the dictionary definition for you. You know, it's, Because we all know that this is what we're supposed to do. Um, no, we're doing it. Um, purchase. Oh, God. Purchase. I I fucked up the first time I typed it. Define. <laughs> um, a holder position on something for applying power advantageously. All right. Okay. Uh, I probably should have just looked it up myself while I was reading. No, but that I like it this joke, way so. because you get to discover <laughs> it for everyone to hear. I want you to not know things. I know everything this week. <laughs> 
babe, we're barely halfway through the first of four chapters. There is time for you to learn some things. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, the only other important thing about this uh, part of this chapter is that, like, as Bella's running through the heat of the chapter house, of this part. Of this part of this chapter, yeah. I, um, but this is the first time that she, like, outwardly acknowledges Forks as home, which is, like, maybe something, yeah, I guess. That's nice. Uh, um, she just so, said that she hates it. Yeah. She just spent a whole chapter yelling about how she hates it. So she gets to the dance studio. She hears her mom's voice. She goes running towards it. She finally sees the TV where the home video that James stole from her house is playing. She realizes that she is, in fact, the dumbest bitch alive and that he's tricked her and her mom is actually safe and not there and still in Florida. Um, Honestly, I am shocked that it took her this long considering Alice literally saw the VCR in her visions. But then again, maybe I'm expecting too much of Bella. Oh, God. Yeah, like in all books, this is true in all like media in general like all this could have been could have been prevented with a little communication but it's honestly so bad in this like it just like it literally could have been like hey alice uh curiosity uh in your visions is my mom there oh no bella she in fact isn't it's just james alone staring at a television Right? Like, oh, hmm. wait, this is a really good point. I've That's literally weird. never thought of this. Why didn't Bella just ask Alice if she saw her mom in her visions? Because Bella is a fucking idiot. Oh my god. Okay, so James starts going on about how humans seem to have no sense of their own self-interest, which is a thing that we've literally talked about time and time again on this podcast. Um, and while he's talking about that, Bella chooses to focus on how James apparently isn't even really that hot because we all know that the only thing Bella Swan can ever think about in the face of death is getting that sweet marble vampire dick. Um, I fucking love it. So, okay, wait, wait, like, hold on Like, she's in a life or death I situation need- and just talk about how good or, how good looking or not her murderer is. Like, all she can think about is vampire dick. And so, as I thought about Bella thinking about vampire dick, I had a question and I hate to take us away from the plot once again, but this is a very important question that I need to ask you. Do you think that they made Marvel vampire dildos because of this book? Um, isn't that basically what, like, the Yanni eggs are? <laughs> oh my god! Do you think that everything Gwyneth Paltrow does, Goop included, is just, like, a response to Twilight? Have we cracked Goop? I feel like that... Was that after Twilight? I feel like it might have been. <laughs> it did come. Goop definitely came after Twilight. Um, yes, then. Anyway. I'm saying hard yes, because do you know what else? Okay, so, no, more evidence for this. I'm pretty sure there are a lot of Coldplay songs uh, <laughs> uh, on her soundtrack. On the Twilight podcast! I think that you're right. Oh my isn't god. Like, isn't Fix You on the... Like, Probably, I would be. I would be shocked if it wasn't. Yeah. So like, she's all like, mm, my husband at the time, because we haven't consciously uncoupled yet, uh, is doing. <laughs> Stephanie oh my Mayer god! Also, Christmas. also, oh my god! There's an apple on the cover of Twilight, and Gwyneth Paltrow's baby's name is Apple. Fucking correct. <laughs> we cracked it. I've always wondered, we've cracked Goop. Everyone. I've always wondered why there was an apple. I was like, what's the symbolism of this? And really, Goop. the apple is supposed to look like one of those yawning eggs that you put. <laughs> That's really just a disguise for vampire dick. So actually, the front cover is Bella holding Edward's dick. It's just really roundabout how you get there. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so Bella's horny. 
that's really all that we need to know about that. Um, James starts to complain about how this has all been way too easy, uh, and he's disappointed real. when Bella says that she told Edward not to come after him because apparently it was too easy and too quick, and he likes the challenge. Um, also, James talking about how he found Bella really exposes how fucking stupid Bella's plan has been from the beginning, because he literally says that there was no use chasing her around when he could just wait for her to eventually show up somewhere, and so he just picked a place that he knew she would go, which is so fucking stupid, because they could have just stayed in Forks and killed him there, but whatever. Um, he also says yeah, that like, Victoria let him to know- to Phoenix wasn't like- it was just like, okay- he was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll go there because Bella's a stupid bitch and she'll probably show up there at some point. Like, he wasn't chasing her. He was just like, she's an idiot and will probably show up in one of these places. Uh. Oh, God. So he also says that Victoria let him know that Edward was on his way to Phoenix, which confirmed for him that Bella was there. Um, and then he just starts fucking filming Bella and confirms that this whole thing has been a ploy to get Edward's attention and that Bella's just collateral damage, which sounds super gay to me, but I don't know how that reads for you. <laughs> I um, love it. So at this point, we also find out from James that Alice is the only other one of James's targets that's escaped him. So he tells us that when Alice was a human... She was living in an asylum because of her visions, um, which, like, branded her as a witch and got her thrown in a mental institution. Um, <laughs> Not quite as a witch. I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Something. I don't know. They're just, like, um, giving her, like, electroshock and, and stuff. They're just like, oh, what a crazy woman. Like, Yeah, something like that. You know, witch stuff. Um, and so one of the vampire, there was a vampire that worked at the asylum, I guess, that was fond of her. Um, and so he turned her into a vampire to protect her from James. Okay. Um, he turned her into a vampire to protect her from James because James was hunting her and she was too strong when she was a newborn. So James killed her creator instead and then left her alone. And eventually she found the Cullens. Um, James tells Bella that Alice smelled even better than you do. And then apologizes to her for being offensive, which is fucking hilarious to me. Like, he's about to straight up murder her, and still he thinks to be like, oh, sorry that I insinuated that you smell like shit. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so this brings us to essentially the end of the chapter, at which point Bella, like, realizes... Um, that death is upon her, right? And on the one hand, I feel kind of bad for Bella in the moment that she realizes that this death is not going to be quick and painless like she imagined. But on the other hand, I would love to know what exactly about this sadistic motherfucker gave her the impression that he wasn't going to torture her and record it for fun. Right? Like, I... Uh, he was already playing games, so, like, unnecessarily. Right. So, uh, to round off this chapter, I'm just going to give us all a real quick recap of this episode of Vampire Smackdown. Huh. Um, so James throws her into the mirror, steps on her leg to break it, smashes her head into the mirror again. Okay, wait, wait. Um, and at this point- Um, I want to retell that. Um, because you said Vampire Smackdown, so I'm going to make up some shit uh -huh. now. Um, Do, please. He, oh my god. First, he, uh, he spears her. And then mm -hmm. he tries to put her into a figure four. And then and then she like gets away. You know, she grabs one of the ropes, which in this case is gonna be the um the the like uh, plie bar. Yeah. Mm hmm She grabs one of the ropes, he breaks <laughs> the hold. He gets out of the ropes, does a moonsault, because he's a fucking badass. And uh and that's uh where you can pick up. 
Great. Um, so <laughs> at this point, that she was a bunch of hot garbage, by the way. It's it's great. I have no idea what you said, but I loved it. It would make um, no sense. It's like a series of moves. I mean, it w- nothing makes ever sense. But I mean, that I'm I took like different people's like big moves and. It's great. I loved it. I'm sure at least one other person listening to this podcast will love it. Um, or hate it. <laughs> <laughs> one or the other. Uh, I think that's generally how people feel about us in this podcast in general. So it tracks. Um, so she like starts to hope that now that she's bleeding, he just like won't be able to help himself and will eat her and get it over with. Um, and that's at that point she passes out and the chapter ends. Um, which is where I would now like to take a moment to remind us oh, that yeah. this entire scene is what was being referenced in the prologue. Like, I don't know if you all remember in our very first episode, all of those many moons ago, when we read you the prologue, which came in real fucking hot. Um, but like, this is the scene that it was referencing, right? Like, she talks about like getting ready to die for the person that she loves or whatever. So, A, is anyone expected to remember that this far into the book? And also, B, Stephanie Meyer doesn't use any of the same language as in the prologue. I would like to even take this moment to read the prologue to you because it's really short. Please do. And okay, so it literally says, I never given much thought to how I would die, though I had reason enough in the last few months. But even if I had, I would not have imagined it like this. That's like not true. She has imagined how she's going to die. She's literally like talked about it. Like... (laughs) She literally, like, a chapter ago was like, oh, I'm going to go to my death. I'm going to die in this ballet room. Like, she'd imagined it. She's been talking about it for, like, a whole like a whole chapter. I stared without breathing across the long room into the dark eyes of the hunter, and he looked pleasantly back at me. Surely it was a good way to die, in the place of someone else, someone I loved. Noble, even. That ought to count for something. Now, at this point, is she talking about her mom? She's talking about her mom. But at this point, she already knows that she's not dying in place of her mom. So it's not noble. She's dying in place of no one. Yep. So yes. it makes no sense. Fucking the actual Bella. It's like she wrote this as like a first draft of what's going to happen in that scene and then forgot about it. And then like. I think that's probably honestly what happened. Accident- like this was like the prototype and then she forgot to like take it out. Um. Oh, okay. You know what? I knew that if I'd never gone to Forks, I wouldn't be facing death now. But terrified as I was, I couldn't bring myself to regret the decision. When life offers you a dream so far beyond any of your expectations, it's not reasonable to grieve when it comes to an end. The hunter smiled in a friendly way as he sauntered forward to kill me. That's not what happens. She doesn't even, like, realize he's sauntering forward to kill her. Exactly. Like, this is not at all... Because he's... Nope. (laughs) I think that she maybe just hoped that by this far into the book, we would have forgotten about the prologue, not realizing that we could all just flip back and reread it because that's how books work. Um, but I, so I'm, I'm done with this chapter. <laughs> I'm mad about it. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to let you take it away and tell me what your favorite part of this chapter is. Okay. My favorite part was on page 440 uh, for all the dear listeners that are reading with us. Um, and it says... The familiar city began to rush around me, but I didn't look out the windows. I exerted myself to maintain control. I was determined not to lose myself at this point. And I laughed super, super, super fucking hard because I was like, that's some great edging content right there. She is, she's just edging, she's just edging, I, she's emotionally edging herself. I exerted myself to maintain control. Yeah, that's edging. Anyways, that was my favorite part. Um, my favorite part of this chapter, 
Um, besides the Hyatt, which is just the top contender for my favorite part of this whole book. Um, yes. My second, my second favorite part is James telling Bella that he specifically picked the dance studio to kill her in because he thought that the room would be visually dramatic for his little film. Um, which truly just makes him sound like a pretentious film student, and I love it. Yeah, yeah, that's real. Uh, a quick, also, I want a quick note. Um, I know I've said it once, I've said it a million times, that Kristen Stewart did a great job with what she had, and it isn't her fault that Bella's a terrible character devoid of feeling or sensible reactions events around her, because at the very beginning of this chapter, it says, What did you see? I said, and there is no question in my flat, uncaring voice. <laughs> yeah, and that's, almost uh, that's what she sounds like. Bella describes herself ta- talking, she says it that way. She's like, I spoke with no emotion. <laughs> Anyways, y'all want to hear about chapter 23? Yes, please. Take us in. Okay. I would like to start by informing you of the title and length of chapter 23. So this chapter is a grand total of five and a half pages long, (laughs) which is by far the shortest chapter of the book other than the prologue. But it's also the climax of the book. And, like, I know we've touched on Stephanie Meyer's sense of pacing before, but, like, this is so ridiculous. Like, this is, like, everything's built to this, and it's like, "Mm." I know that I gave Bella, like, sitting at home doing homework, 30 pages, but I'd really like (laughs) to give you five and a half for the most exciting part of the book. Like, this is supposed to be the dramatic climax of the novel, and it's five pages long. Anyways... So now the title of chapter 23 is The Angel, which I have a feeling many of you probably can already guess who the angel is. And of course, uh, you know, I don't think of Edward as an angel, but I guess if Lucifer counts, so does he. (laughs) So this chapter is narrated by Bella, as always, but now she has a traumatic brain injury. (laughs) Because Bella, with all her faculties, wasn't rough enough. So she describes that she feels like she's, like, underwater. And she says, oh, I think there was a line here that you really liked. That was, like, um, this can't be heaven because it's, like, too painful or something. I don't remember. Oh, no, that's that I think is at the, that's at the top of the next chapter. No, I'm pretty sure there's something here, too, that she says. Uh, let me, I'm gonna look at, whoa, ah! y'all, I'm sorry, I just ruined everything. What um, happened? Oh, nothing. I didn't actually ruin anything. I just accidentally clicked on Internet Explorer. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, that would that would ruin everything. Um, um, never mind. Oh, no, you're right. It is it is in this chapter. She says uh, she figures out that she's not in heaven because she's in too much pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because initially she's like, oh, there's an angel. I must be in heaven. And then she's like, nah, everything hurts so much. I can't be in heaven. This must be the bad place. Wow. Um, <laughs> or is that the medium place of like, I get Edward, but also, no, Edward's the bad place. Anyways, so <laughs> she feels like she's underwater, but then she feels a sharp pain in her hand, which I'll get to later because I have a lot to say about that. <laughs> and so Bella hears her angel calling her name. And behind that, she can hear some sort of like growling and snapping sounds, which we as ever astute readers are supposed okay. to gather is yes. a vampire fight. So th- th- about the growling and snapping sound, Bella literally says that this is the happiest sound my mind could conjure up, which among literally everything else about her is so deeply worrisome to me because she's no. on the brink of death and the best sound that her brain can come up with is vampire growling. No, no, no. She says that that's like not the nice sound. She says, uh, let me find it. 
Oh my god, I forgot about the angel should weep. It was wrong. Oh god, I forgot about <laughs> that fucking part. Um, no, she says... Um, yeah, no, she, no, she says, says the that angels, she heard... The angel's voice is, like, beautiful, but then she says, um, behind that longed-for sound was another noise, an awful tumult that my mind shied away from, a vicious bass growling, a shocking snapping sound, and a high keening suddenly breaking off. So it's Edward's voice is the most beautiful sound she could think of. Ah, uh, okay. Still. Still. What happens next? Okay. So we soon come to understand that Edward is leaning over Bella and just, like, yelling at her face or something, uh, while sure. Carlisle, like, not doing anything helpful, while Carlisle methodically just lists off her injuries, like, calmly. I mean, I assume he's doing something to treat them, but, like, at first all we hear is, like, broken ribs, head injury, not too deep. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just, like, listing off what's wrong with her. But Bella can't concentrate on any of that. She's screaming because her hand is on fire. So, I'm sorry, everyone, I'm yelling. Um, <laughs> um, so, Carlyle is just like, oh no, shit, James bit her. And Edward's distraught, and Alice, who's also apparently there, is like, Edward, you have to do it. Now, Sahana, I noticed in your chapter notes that you said Alice tells Edward that he has to turn her. That's what I assumed that meant. But literally all it says is, Edward, you have to do it. Which I at first did not read as him turning her. Because, like, to turn her, he would just have to do nothing. Right? Yeah, I mean, I guess she's already been bitten. But also, so like, they- I think you're right, though, because Carlisle's like, oh, there's still time. And Alice is like, what? There is? Oh, cool. So I feel like you're right. But, like, I don't understand what she's saying there. Because, but, like, I... Yeah, because you must be right, I, though. I, I think- you must be right, because Carlisle follows it up by saying that there's still a chance that Edward could suck the venom out. But Alice has, like, future vision. It can maybe, like, see that happening. So maybe that's what she meant. Like, you have to, I don't know. But maybe not because her, like, her future vision sucks. So maybe Alice saying you have to do it is really just, like, really, really bad writing. I think that's probably the most, uh, that's the most likely explanation. Okay. I think. Well, that's neither here nor there. Anyways. (laughs) So then commences, like, a brief torrented debate. On what to do, where Carlyle says that Edward must be the one to suck Bella's venom because he has to stop the bleeding. And Bella's just, like, screaming Edward's name and offering no opinions on what to do, not that anyone's asking her. Um, and Carlyle says- When is anything ever Bella's choice? Yeah, I mean, granted, here she does, she is, like, bleeding out the head and probably can't make a decision. But, like, uh, I don't know if I would want Edward to be my fucking, uh- Like, have power of attorney over me. Yeah, mm-mm, nope. Um- No. Uh, but anyways, so, uh, what happens next? So then he's like, nah, it's your decision, Edward. I can't decide because Edward's apparently Bella's keeper. And like, Carlisle doesn't seem to, Carlisle doesn't seem to care either way. Then in like a total of seven sentences, like this is all it takes. Edward sucks the venom out of her hand and it's fine. Like, that's literally, he's just like, Bella's like, and then I felt Edward's mouth on my hand, and then the burning stopped. Like, that was it. <laughs> and, like, he doesn't seem to suck her blood for any more time than he has to. No one has to, like, pull him off her. Bella isn't worried that he can't stop himself. It all just works out fine. Like, it's supposed to be the most climactic scene in the book, or I would think. But it's so short that I barely noticed that it had started by the time it was over. Like, my eyes skimmed over that paragraph a tiny bit, and then I was like, wait, it's done? 
Like, <laughs> and that's basically the end of the chapter. Carlo's like, is she good? And Edward's like, yeah, dude, she tastes like morphine now. It's fine. And then he picks her up and walks off. And like, that's the end. That's it. Of what should have been the most climactic chapter of the book. But I have so, a lot of qualms with this chapter. Lay them on me, because I'm really curious to hear how you felt about this, because I also had some feelings. So, so like, lay it on me. How did we not get to witness the fight scene with James? Like, I get that Bella is our narrator, and she didn't see it, but, like, what the fuck happened? She just got knocked out and bit, and then no explanation. James is just gone. They got him out of the room somehow. Like, literally, what happened? Yeah, like, is it- did they kill him in the same room? Like, are they just all in the one, like, studio part? Because that's where they were. Like, did- or did they somehow manage to get him out into another room and kill him? I don't but know, also, but like, they did. It was so quick. It was like, so quick. Like, I just quick. don't- Because it's like, oh, I just d- between the time that someone bit her hand and then the whole thing is done- it's like immediately. Like he's dead. It's like they. Like, like you. Had, he just walked in and snapped his neck, and it was like, "Oops." Right, and okay, and so my question is that if it was that easy to kill him, if it literally only took Emmett and Jasper to kill James, and it only took them like I don't know, maybe five or ten minutes, why the fuck didn't Bella just tell Alice and Jasper what was going on and wait for Edward to get there, or? Why didn't they just stay in fucking Forks in the first place? Because obviously they had no trouble defeating him, even though he was apparently unstoppable. So, like, why was, oh, I guess I might as well die. The strategy here. I don't instead know. Instead of why sending Bella all, all the way to, to another town. They should have all just listened to Emmett in the first place. Who's was like, yes. why don't we just fight? Sometimes violence yep. is the answer. Yup. Okay. Yes. Also, and this is what I said I was going to get back to, because it bugs me so much. Why? 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 Does James bite her in the <laughs> hand? <laughs> not a weird fucking place to choose. At first I was so like, I've it's never... far away from the heart, but it's not really, because doesn't it go, like, pretty much directly there? Like, yeah. Or is it go, I don't know, I don't know how fucking arteries work. See, I might have taken I, cadaver I lab, just but I don't it. remember. <laughs> you took cadaver lab? Yes, I did. I originally wanted to go into <laughs> occupational therapy, so I took a lot of biomed oh, yeah. classes. I just remember fucking nothing. Remember because I freaked out and I took off like all my clothes and like <laughs> what? <laughs> Not all of my clothes, but there was a part where we were learning about like women's reproductive organs and for some reason when they were talking about it, it just made me panic and I started hyperventilating and I stood up and it was winter and I just started taking off like my clothes. Like I took off my lab coat and I took off the coat I had under my lab coat and I took off my flannel and I got to the point where I was just wearing like a gray beanie because it's when I used to wear beanies all the time, you know, uh, uh-huh. a gray uh, beanie, that. a gray tang top. And gray leggings and those gray slouch yeah, and, and those gray slouchy boots. I just learned that term recently. So yeah. You just learned about grout fit? Yeah, so I had a grout fit on and I was like, I look <laughs> in like in cadaver lab. And I was like, I look like Strong Sad, who is like fucking OP uh not OP, not overpowered. Overpowered grout fit. What now we have a second contender for episode title because overpowered groutfit is really good. I meant to say OG, which in this case means original groutfit. <laughs> Strong sad was OG. Um anyways. But anyways, All yeah, I took up, and then I and I left the classroom and then I got like locked out. But anyways, 
So I don't know how. All of that to say that there is no logical explanation for why James bites Bella in the hand. And I have to say that, like, I didn't even register that as being weird because I was just like, oh, he must have been like, I don't know. He must have like accidentally grazed her hand with. I don't know. I was like, I, I, I literally don't have an explanation. I think I just thought it was like her. an incidental battle wound. No, because like that'd be so lame because he's recording it for Edward, and like that'd be like the least like, like that. <laughs> like if you want to make Edward mad, why would you bite her hand? Like, oh look, I'm biting her hand. Why wouldn't you like tear her throat out or something? Like. Yeah, it seems like there's, like, a much more dramatic way to kill her. Which makes me maybe wonder he's, if maybe he, he's like... Maybe art house and he wants it to all be, like, kind of subdued. <laughs> Is he just trying to, like, make a Lars von Trier film? Yeah, he was just gonna slowly eat her. Um. Yeah, this monster's a dream. She's okay, so if everyone listening is wondering why there was a very obvious cut right there... Uh, it is because Hannah's computer just got really fed up about James not knowing where to bite Bella and just stopped working completely. Yeah, my MacBook is from 2009. It's tired, and it is also tired of Bella Swan's shit. So that's sort of the problem uh, that we ran into. But we're back, baby! Yeah, so we definitely lost some bits, but it's okay. You all missed we'll us. We'll be funny in the future. You missed us. Uh, singing a song, but maybe we'll sing it for you again. Who knows? Um, Anyways, where were so we? We're just gonna skip to. We're just gonna skip to our favorite moments. We're not gonna go about the other qualms I have with this chapter. We'll just I say think our that's probably things. fair because there's just too much to say about it. Um, so can I? Do you want to go first, Rami? Um, I'm gonna go first because okay. I because because my favorite part of this chapter. I don't even know if I can call it my favorite. I think it's, like, the thing that puzzles me the most about this chapter, but it's something that you briefly touched on, so I want us to come back to it, which is the fact that Edward, like, when he's, so he's, like, sucking the poison out of Belle's hand or whatever the fuck, and Carla is like, hey, man, she goes, everything cool, and Edward's like, yeah, dude, her blood tastes clean. I can taste the morphine. My question, clean. my question here, um... How the fuck does Edward know what morphine tastes like? You know, I've I've had a wild think about this now because you asked me this already. I, I did a couple, a couple of times. Well, so here's here's my speculation is that he's just gotten so bored being immortal that he just like walks around the hospital tasting drugs for fun. Um, See, you think tasting drugs, whereas I think that Carlisle brings home different types of blood as, like, a little taste in it. <laughs> Which I think actually makes perfect sense, because do you remember, like, it was, like, two or three episodes ago that I was talking about how, like, Edward is talking about Bella like he's some kind of fucking blood sommelier? Yeah, because he is. He must be, because I think you're right that Carlisle, like, brings home little, you know, like a, like a blood slight. Like, when you're, oh, like... You know do you know what's even funnier? What? Is that I remember that James refers to Bella's scent as being floral. Yeah. Well, because- The scent of her blood is floral. So like, oh yes. Oh, there's floral notes. And what is this? A bit of morphine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, to Bella Swan. Morphine, flowers, blood smell. <laughs> I love it. Oh, love God. It. Okay, What's, are you ready for my yes, favorite Yes, please. Part? What's your favorite part? Can of- I read it dramatically? Absolutely. Okay, it's just a sentence. I'm getting really close to the mic. Mm-hmm. Hi, everyone. A howl of rage strangled 
on the angel's lips. Ooh. Just what? Just what does this mean? Oh, okay. That's my only. That's why it's my favorite part. Um, what sentence is that? Uh, so how does how does how does rage strangle on the lips? It did not strangle his lips. It strangled upon his lips. I feel like it's like one of those things where it's like oh, like a dying on like. Like, uh, people say, like, oh, like, it died on their, like, lips. Yeah, but why not just say died, then? Why strangled? Strangled. I feel like the strangling would really be coming more from, like, the throat. (laughs) Like, yeah, Um, I guess I've heard the phrase, like, oh, like, my words were strangled in my throat. Like, I got that something. But, like, on his lips? Does Stephanie Um, Meyer know how mouths work? Pucker mouth, like. <laughs> I wish you all could have seen see what just the face that Katie just made. They made a face like when a child tries to imitate a fish. <laughs> no, I can do that really well. Not if you can see me, but I'll, maybe I'll post a picture. You should all know that we both just did fish face at each other. And if we're thinking of it, we'll post it on Snapchat, <laughs> fucking picture of it on our Twitter. No, it's this for the Patreon. Content. It's for the Patreon. <laughs> no, we have to have something on the Twitter to get people enticed. Yeah, that's fair. So, um, this is the teaser which, for the speaking Patreon. Speaking of which, if you don't, yeah, if you don't follow us on Twitter, please do um, at STBC Podcast. Yesterday, Katie offered to trade pictures of their butt for copies of the books, uh, and I yeah, successfully actually, <laughs> traded pictures of my dog for copies of the books. So, shout I, out I to successfully <laughs> traded a picture of my butt, and then I was told that it was uh, that the pictures of my butt were severely undersold, <laughs> and I was like, "Well, first of all, because they were so good." Oh, yeah. What up, you okay? Hold um, on. Can I? Can we take it aside to talk about this for a second? I wait. Can I finish this yes, real quick? And then yes. You can? Yeah, and then I was like, they're not, I'm like, how did I undersell them? What I said was, like, my butt. Like, you haven't seen it in person, you don't know. I guess so. But anyways, though, I was like, I really realized that I regretted the next day not saying, uh, I don't half-ass butt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, have I told you recently that you're the love of my life? Yes, in fact, you sent me a really lovely Instagram message about it, and I nearly cried at work. (laughs) Well, okay, um, I love you, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is that I would like to give a shout out to Andy and Riley for literally uh, accepting pictures of my dog as currency and buying me the next three books in this series collectively. Um, y'all yeah, are amazing. I, we already have a shout out to Riley later in the episode, so we'll, we'll do that. Great. But, uh, well, shout out number one. Um, I hope you and your wife are having fun listening to this episode. Um, uh, I don't know if the person who did it for me wants to be known publicly. That's probably fair. I don't think there's uh we can keep that secret. Um so the um, but they did uh respond to the tweet publicly. So well I don't know. Anyways, you know who you are. Um the third thing well, that I want to say, I, w- I would just like to clarify that the the majority of the reason that my offer was different from yours is that I have never in my life managed to successfully take a picture of my own ass. And let me tell you, I have tried. <laughs> so I'm in a Twitter uh, secret, like, not secret, but like a group chat labeled, not for the same reason, but labeled bunch of bottoms, because we're all bottoms who pretend that we're tops, but we're not. <laughs> um, except recently, I, but um, I feel um, I feel seen, and uh, now I kind of want to be added to this uh, Twitter group. Anyway. 
I don't know if you can because we're also all trans. That's fair. But, uh, okay, that's um, fair. But anyways, so anyways, so the point was someone asked me. They were like, "Hey, cat, how do you take uh, butt pics? Like such good butt pics? Asking for all the pale bitches out there." Cause I just <laughs> like, it's not just I a just, pale bitch thing. I'm a no, brown no, bitch well, that can't take a butt pic. No, no. Well, <laughs> well, uh. His problem, though, was that he, it was just, like, it didn't turn out like anything. Oh, yeah. Oh, just like a, like a, like a, like a ghost. glowing. Yeah. <laughs> the ghost of asses past. Yeah, Casey bitches. Yeah. But no, it isn't all people problem. It, taking a good butt pick. Uh, I take really good. You ones, do. So. It's amazing. I'm, it, I'm But you should see the outtakes. Each time. I have. I have so many outtakes. I just, it takes me like seventy pictures to get the will ones you, that I Will get. you teach me how to get a good butt pic? I will next time I see okay. you in person, or maybe next time on webcam. Fantastic! Um, so with yeah. that, so top tier, top tier Patreon is getting a video of us doing that. <laughs> um, should we move on to chapter twenty four? Oh, is this a toilet podcast? <laughs> not a podcast about my butt. <laughs> Summer wait, Twilight but wait, Cats Ass Club. Can, except for one more thing, actually. Okay. Because it's still a podcast about my butt for right now. Uh-huh. So my ex-boyfriend sent me a message and was like, I'll buy you the dang book you need. <laughs> like, I, already have, I already have pictures of your butt, though. Like, I don't need those. And then goes, LOL, uh, you know, you do you. I know you really just want to send pictures of your butt to your friends. <laughs> this person knows you very well. I mean, it was, you know. Yeah, no, I know. (laughs) I know who it was. You know who it was. Um, (laughs) Great. Well, shout out to them, too. Uh, Can you please, God, please tell me what happens in Chapter 24? Yeah. Yeah, it's called uh, an impasse. Great. Uh, Like, what would happen if I refused to continue talking? (laughs) Okay, so the next chapter starts with Bella waking up in a white room. This is all things that she's noting, by the way. So a white room with lights, like bright ones, not just regular lights, and machines hooked up to her, and bed, a bed with rails and tubes connected to her. And of course, Ella, who can figure out all these things, can't surmise that that's a hospital. She could tell that it was a hotel by the fact that the, like, blanket matched the drapes or whatever, <laughs> but, like, couldn't figure out as a hospital by being in a hospital bed. I mean, have we not um, yet figured out that Bella Swan is the least perceptive bitch on planet Earth? Yeah, so she, that's very true. So she, uh, immediately tries to tear the tubes out of her face, but she's prevented from doing so by Ed. Okay, I, I want to, I want to take a pause here to talk about this, because Bella reaching up to rip the oxygen tubes right out of her own face once again i think proves to us that she has literally zero self-preservation instincts um and the other thing that i think is important to mention here is that this part of the book made me think about how when our best friend michelle got her tonsils out when we were in high school um her biggest fear was that she was gonna wake up from anesthesia in like a in a rage and claw her own ivy out of her arm um which we, we, fucking <laughs> uh, the fun part for me was that I got my tonsils out the same weekend, so then her fear became my fear. Oh my god! <laughs> um, um, yeah. Uh, Jesus, sorry, I got distracted again. I need to put my. Put your, I'm sorry. Stop sexting people when we're trying to record this podcast, Katie. This is a different person, and 
uh, she didn't, she added me on Facebook and I got confused because I've already gone on several dates with her and we weren't friends <laughs> on Facebook yet. <laughs> um, anyways. If you give us enough money on the Patreon, Katie will stop sexting during recording. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Katie will um, never stop sexting after recording. No, oh. I think, no, you wanted, you specifically wanted to tell me what happens next, though. Oh, um, yes. So, what happens is that she opens her eyes and she says that she sees Edward with his chin resting on the edge of her pillow. Uh, like one does. <laughs> Who the fuck sits like that in a hospital room? How long has he been in her room just sitting there with his head, like, on the edge of the bed? You know, if we've learned anything, it's that Everett likes to put his neck into other positions. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Um, But, like, if I woke up in a hospital bed after I was attacked by a fucking vampire and almost died... Uh, and somebody was half an inch from my face, I would probably accidentally throttle them. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, I don't know. It seems like something that a cat would do, but not (laughs) something that a vampire or a human should do. Maybe Edward Cullen's just a cat. I don't know. What happens next, Katie? Um, so Bella, of course, immediately starts apologizing to Edward. Just being like, I'm so sorry. I didn't, you know, I don't even know what she's apologizing for. It's not clear. And, uh, for once, however, it only takes her, like, a minute to remember that there are other people in this world that she pretends to care about. And she says that she has to call her mom and Charlie. And personally, I really wish she had just said parents. Uh, but oh well. I love you, Charlie. Good dad, Charlie, uh, forever. Anyway. Yeah, forever. Not like her dumbass fucking mom. Like, we'll, uh, we'll get, we'll to get her. there. We'll get there. Anyway, um, Ed- ah, ah, my notes, sorry. Um... <laughs> Edward informs her they have uh, already been contacted and that her mom, uh, Renee, is there in the hospital. And upon hearing this news, Bella uh, tries to sit up and demands to know uh, what they've been told in terms of why she's in the hospital. Which is a fair question. Yeah, you know, like, hey, um, let me get my story straight. Like, what the hell does she think's happening? Like, why are you here? Who are you? Like, how did I die? Not really. She's not dead, (laughs) but you know. And Edward's just like, uh, well, no, he tells her, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he tells her that they were told that she fell down uh, two flights of stairs and crashed through a window. In a hotel, I guess. Yeah, you know, like, the most sensible lie. Um, you know, like, I like how, like, no one thought of something as simple as a car crash, like, excuse, but, like, I guess he didn't want to tell her parents about her pain. <laughs> so, like, he was like, that's a bit much right now. <laughs> But anyways, though, one thing I did like about this part was that, uh, you know, at first, like, he's trying to, like, not answer her, be like, just go to sleep, don't worry about it. And then her narration says, I had no interest in being soothed. My mom was here and I was recovering from a vampire attack. And I'm like, yes, bitch, stand up for yourself. Finally. But that's not what she says out loud. But And also it lasts for, like, two seconds and then we go back to the one being the, the stupidest person in the world. Yeah, so... Bella now finally turns her attention to, like, her own well-being and, like, asks, like, oh, like, how bad am I? And Edward uh, tells her about her myriad of injuries, um, which he caps off by saying, and I fucking (laughs) I love this part. It's the fucking worst. Um, Wait on me. they They gave you a few transfusions. 
I didn't like it. It made you smell all wrong for a while. Oh, yes! I didn't like what they gave you. Those life-saving blood transfusions. Because you didn't smell as hot to The me. bouquet of her, 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 like, wine bouquet was off. The tannins were wrong. He couldn't sommelier correctly. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, God. I was just like, really? But isn't that such a fucking, like, man? Like, oh, I didn't like when you were provided life-saving medical treatment because it inconvenienced my boner. Like, yeah, like, if you took some medication that, like, I don't know, had some sort of negative physical side effect, men would be like, I don't know if you should take that medication. Like, it's just... You you know that would happen. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. I'm mad about it. Oh my god. If there was another bad cut right now, it's because I accidentally said something about my dad that I think he would <laughs> kill me for. So Find anyways. it on the Patreon, baby! <laughs> yeah, if he's gonna murder me, I have to get to pay for it. <laughs> Okay, um, what happens so next? Bella then asks Edward how he was able to suck the venom out of her without sucking her dry. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you did <laughs> that was my goal. So, uh, wh- how he explains how did he do it? It was nearly impossible, but he was able to stop. So he must love. This her. is so gross. Which I hate. Like, what kind of gross shit is that? Like, oh, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't have stopped. But I must care about you because I did. Like, I was able to not murder you because I love you. Like. Bella has, like, the perfectly logical response, uh, to that, of asking if she tasted as good as she smells. What? (laughs) And I won't even apologize for mentioning Vord this time. Uh, and I wrote it in myself this time, so how did I I didn't, I, I, yeah, you all, uh, may or may not have seen our exchange on Twitter, um, but the four joke that Katie made in our last podcast, I wrote for them. Sorry. I'll forgive you because this one I thought about a lot. It's not even a joke. It's just reality. Because if your reaction to your boyfriend saying how it's almost impossible to stop eating you is to flirtily ask how you tasted, you are fucking into See, voice. listen, I just read this as a pussy eating joke. Nope. Great. Absolutely. Bella's in divorce. Canon. Uh, what? What is um, Edward's course, response? He's like, "You taste an amazing, babe." See, and that's Bella, why it is a pussy joke. Mm. No, she's in divorce. It could be both. Two things can be true at once. That's true. Dialectics. Um, and Bella apologizes. The bitch apologizes for tasting and this good. Is, this is beyond a holy shit Bella go to therapy moment. Like we're like, we're past that, folks. I don't even know how you would address that. And Edward, of course, immediately victim blames her and is like, no, don't apologize for that. Apologize for getting nearly killed instead. Like and so Bella and Edward then, you know, just like shoot the shit a little bit about what happened. Oh hey, wasn't it you wild know? that you almost got killed by a vampire? Crazy. 
yeah, like Alice having been kept in an institution for her entire life, and Bella being uh, afraid of needles for not uh, not vampires trying to murder her. Uh, oh yeah, by the way, Jasper and Emmett killed James lickety split upon arriving, etc., etc. Once again, I think it's fucking stupid. So Bella then suddenly remembers a question that I had been asking the entire time. Wait, why does my mom think you're here? Like, who the fuck are you? And so now you may remember the type of lying skills that Bella Swan has from the story she told Charlie about how she disliked Edward too much to stay in force, which she hates. And you know, Sahana, I gave, we both gave Bella a really hard time about that story. You know, we were like, wow, so dumb, so poorly thought out. But like, Edward... (laughs) This Edward wins the fucking trophy. This is this is truly the dumbest fucking bad excuse. excuses. Like he tells Bella that he came down to talk some sense into her to get her to come back to Forks, and that Bella fell when walking up to his hotel room. And then even weirder, he had his family with him, and like Renee knows this because of course. Most and he says it like he's proud of it. Like, well, of course I have parents' supervision. I don't want your mom to think I'm some kind of, you know, like yeah, some kind of. And also, like I, I hoodlum. And he's like, and so, uh, and like, because like, of course, most parents would fly their family across the country so their seventeen-year-old can talk some sense into their girlfriends of approximately, I don't know. A week? Like, if I, if this happened to either one of us, I feel like our parents would never have let us out of our homes ever again. I don't think my parents would let me travel, like, two cities to go see a boyfriend. No. An an ex-boyfriend who, like, moved. Let alone fly our entire family across the country. Just, you know, like, for fun. Um, I don't think my parents would definitely not have driven me like a city over. They maybe, maybe would let me borrow the car. That's like so nuts. And like, who wouldn't believe that? Uh, Bella calls like a few of the logistics into question, not any of the major ones. Um, but like, oh, but there's no broken windows. Like, no shit, they broke the fucking windows, Bella. Yeah, like, so everyone. Alice just, Alice apparently just, like, trashed the fucking hotel. Uh, Yeah, I think Edward's like, oh, Alice had a bit too much fun fabricating the evidence. And, I gotta say, like, I do like the idea of Alice, like, hearing just, like, really traumatic shit about her human life and to cope with it. She just, like, destroys a hotel room and sets a dance to (laughs) But, like... Wish same. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, though, the next scene... Honestly, I don't even know if I have the energy. Like, would you mind? Listen. Can I burden you with the next part? I will do it, but I will do it only because I love you uh, enough to not make you carry us through this after what this chapter has already burdened you with. Uh, And also, this part literally made me so fucking mad that I had to, like, put my book down and, like, to use my meditation app for like five minutes because I literally couldn't concentrate about how mad I was about this scene. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. It's so bad. So like Edward touches Bella 
while she's attached to the heart monitor and her heart freaks out. Her like heart starts beating really fast. <laughs> um, and she's like super embarrassed and Edward's like, huh, I'm going to exploit this. And so he leans in and her heart goes crazy again. It's like beating super fast and she's really embarrassed. And then he kisses her. He barely kisses her. It's like he grazes her lips with his lips and her heart literally stops. Like Bella Swan flatlines because a 190,000 or whatever year old vampire kissed her in a hospital bed. Uh, Aside from this being totally fucking bananas, like even as a dramatic teenager, I don't think I could have come up with a scenario in which I thought my heart would literally stop if somebody kissed me. And you know better than anybody that I was the most melodramatic teenager on earth. I mean, yeah. Like, I, like, I, I literally, this is the part of the novel, I think, where I can no longer suspend my anger about how bad a writer Stephanie Meyer is. I think, like, for most of the book, I'm like, okay, some of this emotional romantic bullshit is bad, but, like, she's just writing the way that a teenager would write about romance. But this literally reads, like, something out of, like, a Looney Tunes cartoon. It's super ridiculous. Like, I hate it. And then he backs away because he's, I guess, like, freaked out that her heart stopped or whatever. Because for once in his entire fucking immortal life, Edward Cullen has a normal human reaction to something. But Bella's like, no, come back. Kiss me more. Don't make me get out of this bed. I'll come over to where Like, bitch. So then he kisses her again. And her heart just has these, like, erratic palpitations or whatever instead of stopping. And then this whole thing ends because he's like, oh, shit, your mom's coming. Which, like... That's the actual teenage experience, but... <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so for some reason, then Edward, like, pretends to be asleep uh, when Renee comes in, which, like, I don't understand why he couldn't just be like, oh, hey, Renee, who I've been talking to already. What up? Your daughter's awake. But no, he has to be sneaky and weird about it, because that's what he has to do for everything. And so... Now... I fucking hate Renee. <laughs> Y'all... I hate her. It's like, if you thought Bella was boring or dumb or flighty, like, you should meet her mom. So her mom, you know, just, like, ate up the story given to her by Edward. And it's just like, oh, yeah, that Dr. Cullen, he's so hot. What a what a beautiful man. He should be a she, I can't believe that she has no questions about this story. She's like, oh, no you questions. ran away from Forks because you were mad about a boy, which is totally unlike anything I know about you. And then you fell down two flights of stairs and through a window. Sounds legit. Like, what? And your boyfriend and his family flew down? I think it's just, like, Renee is such a shit show that she's like, oh, yeah, that's something I would do. So, yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, Doesn't man. It seem like Have it? I said before that I think that Bella Swan needs to go to family therapy? I think Bella Swan needs to go to family therapy. We've already talked about how she probably was in family therapy when you tried to guess the modality. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that was on the actual podcast or on a phone call, but we definitely talked
Uh, let me just gush about uh, how Phil, you know, your stepdad, uh, he got signed to the Angels. And how, you know, we're going to go to Jacksonville. Shout out to Jason Mendoza. Bortles! And, and, uh, <laughs> and she just like, oh yeah, we picked out a great house. And oh, it has yellow, it has a little white picket fence. And oh, you're just going to love it. You're going to have your own bathroom. And uh, which honestly, I'm surprised I didn't get Bella. <laughs> She fucking cares a lot about her own bathroom. <laughs> for all her meticulous little things she does in the bathroom. Yeah, um, she. it would be nice for her to have her own bathroom so that she wouldn't have to keep a toiletry kit in her bedroom, which I'm not over! I'm not over I it! I know! And she always says, like, I, every time she talks about showering or getting ready in the morning, she's always like, I paid attention to every detail. And I'm just like, you're Patrick Bateman. <laughs> um, anyways, and so... But Bella informs her that she has, like, no intention of moving. And her mom's like, why? What? Huh? Does it have to do with the hot boy in the chair? And, like, Bella is like, I can't really totally lie about this. He is, like, literally right there. So she's like, yeah, well, like, I have some friends. And, like, Charlie can't cook. And, like, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, like, I, I, gotta, I gotta crush on him. Like, <laughs> and Renee's like, aren't you a little too young? And Bella's just like, no, it's just a crush. She's like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, Great, move back to a town that you said that you hated, like, two days ago uh, for a boy also, that I met one time. Like, I have to complain here, though, because, like... Sorry, I yawned really big. <laughs> but, like, Charlie is a great dad, and Renee is a terrible She's mother. She's awful. Like, when Renee was talking about the new house, she was like... I already discussed uh, away games with Phil, and I'll spend half of them with you and half of them with him. Like, Bella's a teenager. A teenager who, as far as Renee knows, can't walk up a flight of stairs without nearly dying. <laughs> um, but Bella's too young to what? She can't, like, like a boy, choose where to live, but she can be left alone days at a time in a city where she has no friends and family? Like, okay. I mean, sure. I guess she would Why have... Why wouldn't she want to take that up? Oh, no. For some reason, for a second, I was like, oh, she would have friends, but then I realized that she's going to Jacksonville and not staying in Phoenix, so it literally would be, yeah, this is fucking stupid. Um, also... Yeah, like, why would she move back? I would move back. Yeah, no. Also, I want to point out that um, even... So Bella's mom, she is the worst, but she also manages to notice that Edward never leaves. She's like, yeah, I've been here all night, and like... He's been here the whole time. He never leaves your side. If I were 17 years old and I had just fallen down two flights of stairs and out a window and a boy that I had known for like maybe a couple of months flew to a different state to convince me to move back and then refused to leave my hotel room, my mother would have called the fucking cops. Like that's stalking, bud. Hospital room, but yes. Did I say hotel room? I meant hospital room. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. Yep. Yep, I definitely think your mom definitely would. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even know if my mom would have called the cops. She might have straight up murdered them herself. Oh, yeah. I don't think they would have ever been allowed in the room in the first place. Yeah, no, my mom don't play. <sighs> um, not that my mom wouldn't call the cops, but, like, your mom would call the cops a lot faster. Yeah, true. Um, um so also, uh, Bella references, uh, oh, yeah, this is another thing that makes me so mad. So Bella's like, oh, my mom's talking in a stern voice. I recognize it from all the stern talks I've had with my mom about guys. <laughs> like, like, Renee sucks. And then her mom 
just like wait can i i want to pause you because we haven't done our social work concept of the week in a while and i want to do a very quick social work concept of the week and talk about parentification which is when a child is given a parent role in a relationship and it causes a lot of really weird things in their attachments to other people that's what's happening here Bella has been parentified in her relationship with Renee, which is why she doesn't understand what relationships are supposed to look like. Well, yeah, and you can tell it was her father because her father tries to be her father and she keeps treating him like a child and then being confused when Charlie's like, no, you don't have to do that. Like, Bella's always like, oh, I have to make dinner for him and, like, I have to get his stuff ready before he goes and, like, I have to do this and I have to take care of him. And Charlie's like, Bella, let me take care of you. And she's like, "Uh, what? I don't under- what? Yep. And I feel- it makes me- like, it's shit. Yeah. Honestly, I could spend a whole episode of this podcast talking about Bella's attachment style, but I won't subject you all to that. Whew. Yeah, unless you want to pay us for it. (laughs) Patreon! (laughs) That one would require research, Um, but I would do it. Oh, man. We would both do it. We could do it. We could totally do it. I'll go to UVM's campus. (laughs) I don't have uh, the databases anymore, but they're close by. I can help you research. I love researching. <gasps> we should do some. We should. <laughs> do you want to? We could. I would literally do a whole episode about this podcast talking about attachment theory and Bella Swan's attachment style. What? Tweet at Short us. Series. Tweet at us if you want that. <laughs> if anyone out there wants to actually have in depth social work uh, theories applied to Twilight, because you're just like a freak that way. <laughs> I know that there is Let at least know. one person who wants that. Hi, Caitlin. I love you. I would do this just for you. We'd probably do it for free, but we'd even extra do it for money. <laughs> um, um, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring anyways. us back. What's happening in this hospital room? No, okay, no, wait, no. So her mom like leaves, but I want to talk about how that happens real quick because she's just like, oh, sorry. I didn't know you were going to wake up, and I have a call, but I'll be back later. Okay, bye. So she's just like, like, I know that you've been in a coma for several days, and this is the first time that I'm getting to talk to you, but I have to go take a phone call real quick. You good? Okay, bye. So I know that she's played by Kristen Stewart, but when I hear this, all I can think about is Kristen Bell and The Good Place, especially because they're from Phoenix. Like, they're from Arizona. (laughs) And I just picture it, like, in The Good Place, uh, Eleanor Shellstrop's character when her mom walks in and is like, uh, I had to do something very unpleasant, like, today. <laughs> like, do you know what death is? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I didn't know cars could get that high. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, so, uh... The next few pages are just, like, a rehashing of the same dumb argument that Edward and Bella have just been having the entire book. Like, Edward threatens to leave for Bella's own good. Bella freaks the fuck out. Uh, Edward promises to stay. I won't leave as long as I'm good for you, yada, yada, yada. Like, I'm literally falling asleep. Like, like, Um, Kat is yawning on camera because this part is so tired. It's tired. I actually am yawning, (laughs) as you can probably hear by the way I'm talking. (laughs) Anyways, so, finally, Bella says that she's, like, too tired to not be angry about this anymore from their dumb argument, so she demands to know why Edward didn't just let her turn into a goddamn vampire. And somehow, like, turns it into, like, a pseudo-feminist question. This is my favorite part of the whole chapter. It's my favorite like, part, is that Bella's like, 
aren't men and women supposed to be equal in a relationship? And, like, makes the, like, Edward's decision to not turn her into a vampire, like, now Bella's a fucking feminist? Now, bitch? I don't know. It makes no fucking sense. Oh, oh man. I was looking to see if I had it quoted, but when I was looking to see if I had it quoted, I also saw the part where when I was talking about when Edward says, like, oh, I won't leave. All I could picture in my head was me, like, Elle Woodsing it, just being like, why? <laughs> That's foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Don't get, spoilers, spoilers. Okay, um. Anyways, though, so, yeah, he's all like, be rational. And I'm just like, a toilet shot game where you take a shot every time Bella tells Every time Edward tells Bella to be Oh, yeah, we would, you would, you would die. You would literally die. Yeah, so she's like, why the fuck didn't you do this? Um, aren't we supposed to be equals in this relationship? Um, and I want to be, uh, Clark Kent sometimes. I don't always want to be Lois Lane. I want to do the saving. Um, and then she also argues, like I did while reading, that, like, you know, like, she's already gonna die. Like, at that moment, so it would have been a good time. She's like, this is like when Carlisle would normally turn people into vampires. Right. I was like bleeding out. And Edward's like, uh, but you didn't die, so I got you there. And Bella, you got me there. Um, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> That's my favorite episode of Catfish. It's so good. You got, well, obviously I'm not gay. You were, you were having a sexual relationship with a man. You got me there. <laughs> Anyways. Um... <laughs> <laughs> That's going on the Patreon too. Sahana and Cat reenact uh, Catfish. I almost called it Catefish. Oh no! Uh, we'll catfish each other. For fun. Yes, oh. amazing. Okay, okay. We have we'll catfish each other as pretend fans. From the we have to get through this. There's a whole other chapter. <laughs> it's whatever. Um, this is like a two hour long episode. <laughs> it's gold. It's I don't care. Beautiful. You all love us. You bought us books online. <laughs> For um, pictures of my dog and cat's butt. Yeah. Okay. Um, Honestly, um, so, um, yeah, and then he's, yeah, he's like, well, you didn't die. And she's like, he's like, you're gonna live. And she's like, you're wrong. I'm not gonna live. I'm gonna die. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? You're gonna live. And she's like, no, because I'm gonna get old and frail and fucking die at some point. So, and why can't you just turn me into a vampire? I wanna. So we can be hot and young forever. I wanna say <laughs> that this is one of my other favorite parts of this chapter is that Bella attempts to leverage her impending mortality to get Edward to turn her into a vampire the same way that my grandmother leverages her impending mortality to try to let me get her to marry me off to somebody like it's the same <laughs> tactic it truly is the same and honestly i i kind of gotta give my grandma props so shout out i'm just trying to imagine uh, i wonder who your grandma would say you no one good what if she finds a real hottie i i i gotta tell you i don't think that that's how it would go <laughs> okay <laughs> don't do it unless he's really hot um, or really sweet like, or rich. Uh, I would maybe settle for rich. Yeah, rich or hot, or like, yeah, no, those are only options. Yeah. Rich, hot, or famous. Rich. Well, uh, if he's famous, he's probably at least rich. Probably at least a bit. Yeah. Uh, or could be rich. Uh, anyways, uh, burn down capitalism. <laughs> uh, fuck, we're at the worst. <laughs> so, um, 
And then it's just like pretty much that fight. Like that's it. That's the rest of the chapter, except for uh, one little tiny part that we're not even gonna worry about because it's totally normal. Edward gets bored of the fight and is like, anyways, and like presses her call button. Is like, hi, I think we could use some more uh, knockout juice in here. And like literally, and Bella's like, no, I don't want that. And Edward's like, mm hmm, mm hmm. Uh, can you reach up to touch the button? Didn't think so. And uh, the nurse just comes in and just fucking sedates her. She just does it. And, like, I, so when I was trying to think of, like, whether or not uh, there were any good, like, red flag moments for this chapter, I thought about this and then I was like, you know what? I'm hesitant to even call this a red flag because it's not a red flag. This is straight up abusive. Like, he calls a nurse into the room to sedate Bella against, explicitly against her will. Because he doesn't want to talk to her anymore? Like, I don't even... I, I would be upset if we need to explain to people what's fucked up about this. Yeah, some sweet, uh, quick dating advice. Uh, don't sedate your partner against their will. It's not fucking cute. It's just not cute, y'all. And that's just, like, the end of the chapter. Because, you know, neat. And by the end of the chapter, I mean the last chapter in the book. This is, this is the last chapter in the book. There is an epilogue, and I promise we will get there. But this is the end. Is- it just ends. How bleak is that? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, also, by the way, the epilogue is not an epilogue, because that, I'll touch on that in a second. It's, alright, okay. Before you tell me about the epilogue, I gotta say my qualm with that word. Okay. Um, so, main point of this chapter, they all should have just listened to Emmett. If everyone had just fucking listened to Emmett, we would not be in this predicament. Like, if you had just let Emmett fucking... Kill James like he wanted to if you'd all stayed in Forks and stopped listening to Bella, the dumbest bitch alive... Oh, can I tell you, can I, can I, for some levity, can I tell you about my favorite part of this chapter? I would love it. My favorite line in this chapter was when Bella says about Edward, and I quote, the smell of his breath was soothing. Oh, yeah. My reaction to that, I was like, wait, calming breath? Like, instead of sexy breath? Like, can he control what vibe it gives? Do you think that's that's his real vampire superpower? Is that um, Jasper Jasper can control his uh, uh, the emotions of other people in the room just like using his mind, but Ed- Edward has to like breathe on them in order to do yeah, it. Like normal vampires, like so Jasper's like not as enhanced as we think he is. He's just like a bit enhanced, but like Edward, Edward can do it too. He just has to be like. <laughs> <laughs> The sound of you breathing in my ear was just so loud. <laughs> and it was and it was so loud in everyone just now. I'm glad that you're all suffering with me. What's your favorite part of this chapter? My favorite part was when she was arguing for him to be turned into a vampire, and he goes, I refuse to damn you to an eternity of light, and that's the end. And that's the end of it. And like, I just love how dramatic- Oh god, it's I mean, so good. I mean, like, it is a dramatic situation, but it's just so This funny, is some, like, like, hot topic emo teenage boy poetry bullshit. modern times. Modern times, like how many times do you think Edward has watched Family? Oh my god, so many, so many. All I could think about, all I could think of immediately was like Gerard Butler being like specifically the movie version, (laughs) Gerard Butler, you know, and like uh fucking Patrick Wilson's drowning pool or something, and Emmy Rossum's like being pulled by Gerard Butler. (laughs) And like fucking all the other people are singing with pitchforks. And anyway, so 
And Edward, who's now Gerard Butler. setting the scene. <laughs> Edward, who's Gerard Butler, just doing the Down once more to the dungeons of my black despair. Down we plunge to the prison, to the prison of, of my mind. Down the path into darkness, deep as hell. <laughs> like, that's all I can think about. <laughs> just the fucking, like, that fate which condemns me to wallow in darkness <laughs> has also denied me the joys of a <laughs> You know how I said that maybe uh, we would sing a song for you? This was not the song that I thought we were going to sing, but here we are. Um, this is what yeah, this is what happens when two former musical theater kids turned social workers start a podcast about Twilight. We were uh, gonna get to Phantom of the Opera at some point. It was just inevitable. One, I could have sang it better if I hadn't been laughing while I was <laughs> and also keenly aware of the fact that my roommate is watching the Fire Festival documentary. <laughs> and two, uh, I was not a musical theater kid because I cannot sing very well, as you just noticed, and uh, so I was strictly. A regular theater, um, a real, a real. I got the, I got the lead sometimes, but no one saw them. <laughs> I saw them. That's true. I, not no one saw them. Like, a lot of people saw Twelfth Night, and a lot of people saw um, Born to Be Earnest. It's fine. Um, okay. So there's an epilogue. So there's not a fucking All epilogue right. because an epilogue, it's like an epilogue that takes place like two weeks later, mm-hmm. and like that only counts. And it's like just like another chapter. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. Mm-hmm. It is the it's it like, is the it is the length of it is longer than some of the other chapters in this book, and so like that's not an epilogue. That's just like another chapter. It's only considered an epilogue because Stephanie Meyer tells every fucking minute detail of this book. That skipping two weeks oh is like oh, this is a whole different fucking story. Well, we we did it though. We got to the epilogue. We made it to the final bow on this gift that has been this absolute paragon of narrative fiction. And honestly, I think we should be proud of ourselves. Tell me what goes the fuck. So up. the epilogue opens with an extremely dressed up, quaffed and made up Bella Swan getting into Edward's car wearing one stiletto. Because uh, her <laughs> what, one, one singular stiletto. Um, I fucking that tied up with bows. Yeah, yep. Um, like a like a ribbon gladiator stiletto. I don't fucking know, man. Um, but so she reminds us that she's the dumbest bitch alive because she has no idea where they're going. And I remember when I read this chapter for the first time as a teenager, I was immediately like I understood what was happening, and I don't know why I continue to be surprised that Bella has literally no awareness of what's going on in the present moment for her. I think as a teenager, I did know what was happening, but as an adult, I had the wrong guess. Maybe I did the same thing both times, where I didn't know at first, but there was a minute where I was like, oh, like, Rosalie and Emmett are getting married again. What? Well, because Rosalie and Emmett get married a lot, remember? Like, oh, I every, guess. Like, once in a while, they get married again. Like, because they redo their teenage years and stuff, oh, and they always yeah, get married yeah, yeah, yeah. again. And so... I thought, well, I think I thought this because I thought more time had passed. I didn't think it was still the school year. Like, oh, no, it's literally two weeks later. So, uh. Well, she said she's in, like, a walking cast, and, like, she had a bunch <clears throat> of, like, broken ribs and a bunch of other stuff. So it would have taken more than even... two weeks for her to not be in the hospital anymore. You're right. This is, this, again, timing. Stephanie Meyer doesn't have And to just be in a walking boot, because she's just in a walking boot. She doesn't even have a crutch. Nope. Like, she's a boot, yeah, she's a boot and a stiletto. Her leg was snapped. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. He stepped on it. She probably had a compound fracture. 
Like, she didn't probably, it probably was, like, all fucking, like, um, Yeah, like, no, it probably was, it was not a clean like, break. I'm sure that there was, like, some bone grafting yeah. that had happened. Crunch. Any, um, any, um, like, ortho, orthopedic surgeons who listen to our podcast, let me know how long it would have taken Bella Swan to get out of the hospital after someone stepped on her fucking leg. Also, let me know how the fuck you got here. <laughs> Um, how are we bagging the orthopedic surgeons and also do you know we're gonna have a patreon (laughs) um so they're in the car they're driving to who knows where bella does it um edward gets a call from charlie while while they're in the car and as he's on the phone bella starts complaining about how um charlie's been really wary of edward since they returned from you know the fucking hospital and she starts whining about how he's finally enforcing normal parental boundaries which is fucking ridiculous because if something like this had happened to me i would never have been able to leave my house again um wait can we also talk about the fact well no continue and then i'll say okay so Charlie, so Charlie's on the phone, and Charlie called because apparently Tyler, a side character who I'm sure none of us remember at this point because Edward has <laughs> taken Bella to the point where it's impossible for her to have other relationships. Um, so Tyler has showed up at Bella's house, which is how she finally fucking figures out that they're going to the prom. Like it takes until this moment. Um, but Edward's uh, response to Tyler showing up at her house to take her to prom because apparently that was his way of making up for almost fucking hitting her with his car. Edward says she'll be unavailable every night as far as anyone besides myself is concerned, which is my bonus red flag for the week because yikes, buddy. Yeah, that's really rough. Also, the thing I was originally going to say was, why does Charlie call Edward? Yeah, I don't know. Because Edward's the one that's driving, so it's not like he wanted to call the person that wasn't driving. He calls Edward, who is driving, instead of calling Bella his child. Like, I, I... Was this early enough for it to be feasible that somebody in high school wouldn't have a cell phone? Like, maybe Bella just doesn't have a phone and Edward does because he's rich. This was written in 2005. Maybe. If you... I don't know. But I feel like that's a really weird assumption to make. Like... Not a weird assumption to make, but, like, that's a big jump, even at the time period, to be like, oh, we have to just assume that Bella doesn't have a phone, because it's never explicitly mentioned that she doesn't have one. And, like, and she has to, I don't know, dude. It just was so baffling to me. I was like, he's kind of like, maybe that has to be it. It has to be. It has to be. I think the only explanation is that Bella doesn't have a phone. Um, so they. Which, oh my god. So, so they get. Oh, wait, wait, wait. But, wait, my bonus red flag, though. That's the other thing I was going to say. Oh, yeah. Um, which is a few minutes later. When uh, Bella refuses to get out of the car, and she thinks smugly to herself, he couldn't remove me forcibly from the car, as he might have done if we had been alone. She literally says, I was glad that we were around other people so that he couldn't force me to do something that I didn't want to do. What the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Uh, So after that horrifying moment, they get to prom. Um, which is at the high school because Bella says that it was probably the only room in town big enough for a dance. Um, and as soon as they get there, Bella makes like a cute joke about how they should lock the doors and massacre everybody because I guess she's trying to prove how cool and like into vampire shit she is. I don't know. 
Um, so she immediately starts to panic about not being able to dance, which is fair because truly nobody could dance with one foot in a boot and one in a stiletto, let alone mortal enemy of ambulation, Bella Swan. Um, so Edward's solution is that he's just going to dance with her standing on his feet like she's a literal child, which I think is meant to be cute, but it just makes this whole thing feel even more like gross and predatory. Especially because Bella's response to this is to say to him that she feels like she's five years old. And Edward responds by telling her that she doesn't look five, which is truly so horrifying that I just, I don't even want to spend any more time talking about it. That's really all I have to say. Yeah, we can just continue. Great. Um, so I would like to say that I don't know how all of you feel about social events um but i am of the opinion that any social event is made better by the presence of a dog and lucky for us man's best friend jacob black arrives at the prom uh making it already a better social engagement so he he shows up and he asks to cut in uh reminds us that he's in love with bella and then promptly informs bella that billy paid him 20 dollars to show up at bella's prom and then bribed him with a car part presumably for the car in which the picture of jacob's sister has been lost to time and told him that he, uh, he needed to tell bella something um, and it turns out that Billy wants Bella to break up with Edward. Uh, and he's convinced that Edward had something to do with her getting hurt in Phoenix because he's not a fucking dumbass. Um, so Billy also uh-huh. tells her that we'll be watching, um, which is so ominous, but it lacks any kind of actual strength. So I just kind of laughed at it. Um, and the other thing is that, okay, so I've been thinking a lot about our prom. Um Oh, God. And I want to know. Wait, wait. We were only our senior prom. Yeah, you went to prom junior okay. and senior year. I only went to prom senior year. So. I went to prom sophomore junior and senior year. Um, Katie was popular in high school and I was not, is what they're no, trying the person to say. I went with the person with sophomore year, I didn't even know. <laughs> I just wanted to go and someone, someone, the people I was friends with. Got their friend to friend. take you. Who didn't have a date, and they were like, take our friend Katie. And he was like, okay. And then I was like, I should meet you before I go to prom with you. So I went to his house, and I played Katamari, and I swore a lot, and he was like, who is this girl? <laughs> <laughs> who is this? Oh, man. Um, but so, as I was thinking about our prom, and the fact that Jacob Black showed up at prom to tell Bella that his dad wants her to break up with her boyfriend because he's a vampire, I thought to myself, who do you think would have been the most likely to show up and pull you away from your date and make some completely bananas off the wall statement about a cult or some shit, um, which was actually just a ruse to get you to date them instead? Who would have done that? So it wasn't prom, but isn't this basically what happened freshman year at homecoming? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> yes, I was supposed to go. Yes. to homecoming with Josh, and I did go to homecoming. With you Josh. did go to homecoming with Josh. But Jake, you know, who was telling me about how my, you know, the Jake, the aura guy. The aura guy! Who, oh my god. If y'all remember the episode <laughs> about the guy who told me about the age of my soul <laughs> and my aura. He, like, two days before, he knew I, he knew that I had agreed to go to Homecoming with Josh. I would also like to throw out there that, uh, before, appro- approximately four days before this, I had asked Jake to Homecoming. Do you remember that? Yes, but I don't know if I knew that until later. Oh, no, probably or not. If I knew that, if I knew that the whole time. Either way, I don't there know. several reasons that I kept this secret, I'm sure. 
Um, so, so Jake Troya was like, will you go out with me? I was like, I already have a date to homecoming. I probably didn't say that. But, I mean, I probably did, but, like, not, like, as a no. And he was like, no, like, I want you to be my girlfriend. Also, we can just, and I was like, cool, but can, uh, yes, but can we just pretend that I didn't say yes until, like, four days from now? <laughs> and he was like, yeah. So, like, that would be, so, it wasn't prom. But, but oh, um, you're right, that, that is the equivalent. That's, that's, I'm, I'm really impressed that you managed you know, to come up with something Stephanie that fit Meyer the scheme in that well. Sometimes Stephanie Meyer does <laughs> understand high school, I guess. Oh, really man. On the nose. Oh, boy. Um, so. But also, can we also remember the fact that at prom, I was with my uh-huh, boyfriend, uh-huh. oh, ex-boyfriend, who I had left him for, was sitting in the chair directly behind uh-huh. me. Yep. Yes. It was great. Prom was a great time. Um, I had a great time at prom. We should have gone to the Arctic Monkey show. We, I, I had a great time at prom because I took Michelle. So, I made the right decision. Yeah, I already got a prom twice, and I should have gone to the Arctic Monkey show. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, there was an Arctic Monkey show the same night as our high school prom, and two of our friends went to that and probably had a way better time than we did. Um, Alex Turner is hotter than anybody we went to high school with. Yeah, plus he says Detroit, like, Detroit? Yes. Um, also, I just, I, I have to say that I need to make an amendment to my previous statement, which is that Alex Turner was hotter than anybody that we went to high school with, because Alex Turner's new look makes him look like Bono, and it makes me really sad. He shaved all his hair off, and he wears weird sunglasses. It's not a good look. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Now I'm <laughs> sad. Um, so, Edward. Well, it's better than Julian Casablanca's looking like Ray Ramon. Yeah, that's really bad. monkeys concert um and edward (laughs) says oh that would have been like that would have been a tour for like whatever people say yeah 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 canon canon that would have been a great tour um so edward tells bella that he brought her to prom because he doesn't want her to miss out on any human experiences because of him which seems fake but like whatever edward um and bella who dumbest bitch alive for the last time in this novel tells him that she thought he was dressing her up to turn her into a vampire, which he mocks her for, and honestly, that's deserved, because what the fuck, Bella? <laughs> I, like, couldn't stop laughing at Bella, thinking that they would dress her up in fancy clothes and turn her into a vampire, but it's already canonically true that Carlisle spent that same time period covered in <laughs> Just, like, underneath a pile of rotting potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, do you remember that fucking story that Mr. Uh, Mr. V yes, had us yes. about <laughs> the, the potato head that like enters your orifice and yes. takes over your body? Yes, I do remember uh, that. I think that was how many people that we went to school with learned the word urethra. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> or orifice. At least. Probably that one too. So Bella. <laughs> or so, so Bella and Edward um, after this uh, after he makes fun of her for being dumb, um, they say some more gross, useless shit to each other about how they want to be together forever. The phrase chuckle darkly makes one last return. And then this wonderful nightmare of a novel ends with Edward Cullen's disgusting vampire lips pressed once again to Bella's throat. That's it, y'all. I think that's why Jane bites her hand is because she only wants to have Edward associated with her throat. Yeah. 
or it's like too sexual or something. I don't know. But that's that is that's it. Yeah, uh, my favorite moment Please. of this chapter um, was when it finally ended, and our I literally same like I can't begin to explain to you the relief that I felt upon finishing this chapter. Um, but then it was quickly replaced by the sinking realization that we have three more of these fucking books to go. You know, I imagine that people are feeling the same way. <laughs> They're like, dear lord, this is two hours long. It never ends. I would say that we're sorry, but we're not. We're never sorry. No, I'm definitely going to at least announce that this is a double episode. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll split it into... No, I can't. Um, I'll, I'll announce this a double episode and I'll be like, um, you know, what? Hyatt Hustler. And then I'll be like... Uh, OG Groutfit. Original Groutfit. Like, yeah, the alternate title, OG Groutfit. <laughs> Original Groutfit. Two title, er, I can't, I can't make a joke. <laughs> um, I was gonna make a joke, and I stopped halfway through. So, so um, yeah. we, we just, you know, all of that said, we want to thank all of you for hanging in there with us on this truly wild journey. Um, for those of you who have been listening since the very beginning, thank you. We are truly surprised that we all survived this nightmare and that you still like us because I would understand if you never wanted to hear our voices again after we yelled about Bella Swan for eight episodes. Yeah. So, um, just on the end of the episode things uh none of you gave us a dreamcast for twilight 2k19 you're all terrible so none of you get a shout out for that uh you've all disappointed us and we're very sad <laughs> um however we do have a few shout outs to make for people who did yes disappoint us but also uh said some nice things about us and since we are very big Ooh. we have given them we live only for validation um and for yeah. money uh to our patreon which also counts as validation yeah, so first, our new bud, Riley, uh, who not only bought a book for Sahana. <laughs> In exchange for pictures uh, of my dog. <laughs> yeah. Um, Riley, a.k.a. at Rev Rye Bread, um, which is a good name. Uh, but anyways, uh, who aptly put this podcast in the category of chaotic duo with no men in sight. I don't think that anyone has ever described us better than chaotic duo. Yeah, I love it. Well, I also like that that's just, now we've been recommended twice for not being <laughs> I love that. Um, I love to not be a man. <laughs> like, I can't quite say that. Sometimes I like to be That's a fair. Man. Um, I'm sorry that I've tricked all of you, but I am occasionally uh, a man, kind of. Um, but at least I'm not cis. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, the best... Uh, yeah, so the other person who did that, who I didn't write in a uh, shout-out for, but I really should shout-out for the rest of my life, because they are, like, half the reason why I would ever think to do this, um, is uh, Wheels, who is a friend of mine from undergrad, and who uh, probably a lot of you already know who uh, Wheels is, because I think a lot of you came to us from, like, uh, Orange Groves and stuff, but... Um, Wheels at the Travis W. Uh, they are much more popular and famous. Than us, like, <laughs> Thanks for your support. We love you. <laughs> but I mean, well known enough that they met their wife at a convention because uh, she was a fan of their That's podcast. That's amazing. So, like, I love that. Oh, <laughs> so, uh, but both the, both Riley and Wheels put us in the category of like podcasts for people who uh, don't want to listen to men. Um, so, anyways. Uh, yeah, but anyways, so, so chaotic duo with no men in sight. Honestly, we've never felt more seen. True. 
Um, so Riley does a lot of cool podcasts, uh, or podcasts with stuff, you know, uh, including Bed Bath & Bionicle, which I will actually be guesting on Fantastic. <laughs> um, which, uh, actually on that note, uh, also gotta thank Joe, uh, because they have been out there supporting us for weeks True. and just generally being a wonderful person. Uh, like, I feel like every day I get a notification of Joe just being like, do you know who's great? Uh, the people who make something. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you know who makes my life a shining, wonderful uh, thing every single day? Joe. Um, so they also do like a bunch of excellent podcast stuff, including uh, Beth Monocle and also They Then Theirs. Um, and also having an entire network, which you should all check out, uh, theorangegrows.com. We uh, will be actually heading over there ourselves. Very soon. Soon. Um, We'd also like to thank a human who I haven't spoken to directly yet, but I presume is named Jake, judging by the several mentions of that name in their Twitter display and bio. Um, they can be found at Mr. Jakey Poo on Twitter, and we're nice enough to put us on a list of their favorite that podcasts. That is very nice of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we feel very honored. Uh, <laughs> I hope you still feel that way. <laughs> so, Sahana's computer pissed the bed again so you'll have to deal with me finishing things up on my own without any adult supervision um but likely we only have a couple minutes left so i think you can survive um so of course we have one uh very important last shout out to an entire family namely our best friend michelle her sister annette who live tweets a podcast every week at a l p e r k o w al percal and most importantly their mom, who actually listened to the podcast for Sahana's birthday, which uh, just passed, and also uh, responded to my tweet about being horny with no outlet by saying, you have a hand, don't you? She is the reason we exist, and we're doing it for you. We love you, mom. Uh, we just have one episode left of the season at this point. We're rounding things out with watching uh, the first Twilight movie, which I actually, at this point, uh, already watched. For the first time ever, on Valentine's Day, shout out to my friend Ian, thanks. Um, we'll also be discussing the Twilight Playlist, which is a beautiful gift that Stephanie Meyer has bestowed unto us. It's like the prize we've won for surviving this endurance test. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at STBC Podcast. Uh, I spend a lot of time scouring through Kingdom Hearts posts about Twilight Town so I can find you the good, raw 2019 Twilight content that you're all craving. Um, so, yeah. Uh... We'll still be accepting your Twilight Dreamcast, so please tweet them at us, um, because honestly, we're bored and appreciate the entertainment. Uh, plus, without your input, we'll be legally obliged to remake Twilight with Brian Cranston as Edward, and only in like three if you probably want that. Anyways, we love you. We'll see you next week. Hey!